Adult content intended for an adult audience only as this contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of this story is purely fiction and not intended for anything but the enjoyment of the listener. If you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out. Sex for Money, Rent, and Food Part 2 by Susan Jill Parker Chapter 08 I made it look like a gang hit. I made sure my brothers never raped her again. The police were happy to collect their bodies and erase a dozen unsolved crimes with the death of them. As if wiping out my past by wiping out them, with no one else to hold me back, I was reborn by the death of them. They were no good, he said to her with a face full of sorrow. You don't have to tell me anymore, Malcolm, if by making me explicit in your crime makes you uncomfortable. I understand, said June rubbing his big knee. What you say to me, I'd never tell anyone. You can trust me with your secret. Thank you, June, he said looking at her as if he wanted to get it all off his chest. If June had suspected he had never told anyone what he had done, she'd be right. He looked at her as if trying to read her before continuing. The much maligned stereotypical, inner-city black male, when there are more good, young, black men and women than bad, they hung their bad actions on everyone else. In and out of jail, gangbangers into drugs, robberies, assaults, beatings, carjacking, and rapes, you name it, they did it. All three of my brothers had rap sheets longer than my arm. Even though I still had a foot in the gutter. Somehow I was able to pull myself out of the sewer, and they weren't. Yet, with me being their brother in their deep pocket, I was always there helping them, bailing them out, paying for lawyers, giving them jobs, and buying them cars, said Malcolm looking away from June to look at the floor of the car. You're a good man, Malcolm, said June. As if they were angry that I made something of myself, it didn't matter all that I did for them, they wanted more. They weren't happy unless I was doing a poorly as they were. I tried to get them to return to school to learn a trade but they wouldn't go. They said they could sometimes make more money on the streets in a day than I could make in a year. You tried being a good brother by setting an example and by showing them a different way that they refused take, said June. None of what happened was your fault, Malcolm. You shouldn't feel guilty about doing what you did in protection of your sister. For all you know, having already crossed that incestuous line and getting away with it by sexually assaulting her once— now an easy victim with their invisible tramp stamp they put on her, they may have sexually assaulted her again and again. The last straw was when they tried to involve me in one of their dirty schemes. They threatened to blackmail me and extort money from me for a mistake I made with my sister a very long time ago, if I didn't go along with them. Stupidly, when I had been drinking heavily one day, I entrusted my brothers with my incestuous secret, said Malcolm looking at June with shame. Had I done what they wanted me to do, I would have lost all that I work years to build. I would have lost my company and my reputation in the community. Worse than that, I may have gone to jail. Just be thankful that you turned them down, said June. I cut them off for good and had nothing more to do with them for almost a year. I didn't answer my phone when they called or open my door when they came knocking. They knew how to get to me by using and abusing my sister, said Malcolm looking at June and pausing before continuing. They knew I'd come running when she called. So what happened with Lucille? Tell me. You can trust me not to tell anyone. 
said June looking at Malcolm with a face full of as much curiosity as she had understanding. How could they sexually attack their own sister? Lucille was the baby of the family and fun and funny. She liked everyone and everyone liked her. Except for my three bad seed brothers, we all helped one another and looked out for one another. A close-knit family growing up, we always had one another's backs. Then, as we matured, our family dimension changed. Now only out for themselves, my three brothers were jealous of my success. That happens in the best of families, Malcolm, said June. Yeah, well, I didn't have the best of families. I had the worst of families, he said with coldness. After my brother Lewis was shot and killed in a drug deal gone bad and my brothers, Marcus and Anthony, absconded with the money and the drugs, they needed a place to hide. It wasn't the police they were hiding from, it was their own gang members. Geez, Malcolm, it's good that you stayed clear of that, otherwise the gang would be looking for you, said June. Being the gregarious and affable person she is, my sister took their heat. Agreeing to put herself in danger to help them, Lucille put them up in her apartment after my sister Camille refused to help. They stayed with Lucille for a few weeks before their incestuous lust for her grew completely out of control, said Malcolm with sadness. It wasn't from my brother's gang that Lucille needed protection from. It was her own brother's. I'm so sorry, Malcolm, said June. With my brother staying at her place, a small, one-bedroom apartment, and with them drinking and doing drugs, it wasn't long before they started spying on her dressing and undressing. Except for the front and back doors, with her not having locks on any of her doors, not even the bathroom door, they continually peeped on her. Then, taking it a step further, she told me they were always brazenly walking in on her, standing there, and watching her as she was dressing and undressing. She told me that they were always walking around her naked and flashing her their dicks. You gross, said June. I can't believe they did that to her, the poor woman. Lucille told me that what started out as an innocent hug and kiss turned into groping and forced French kissing. She resisted their sexual advances but growing bolder with their lust, they continued to escalate. With them touching her where no brother should ever touch his sister, when they tried kissing her and putting her hand on their cocks, she had enough of hiding them. When she asked them to leave was when they raped her, said Malcolm holding his hand in his head. They raped my baby sister. That's unbelievable. That's so shameful. That's despicable, said June. How could they do that to their own sister? Now, don't get me wrong, Lucille can take care of herself. No lightweight, she's a big woman, six foot tall and 170 pounds, but grabbing her from behind, they bound her wrists behind her back with one of those police twist ties and covered her mouth with duct tape. Coercing her to tell me the details of what happened, after giving her a lot of patient understanding and brotherly loving consideration, she told me that they sat her down on the couch. Then, as if it was a scene taken from Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange or a video taken from a Japanese subway train where men molest women in public, they took their time cutting off her clothes with a pair of scissors. Good God, that's so bizarrely shocking, said June. As if they were playing a sick game, they cut holes in her blouse to expose her bra before snipping out pieces of her bra to expose her nipples and breasts. Then they cut pieces out of her pants to expose her panty before snipping holes in her panty to expose her pubic hair, pussy, and ass. With my sister crying behind her duct tape mouth and her clothes looking so much like Swiss cheese, Marcus cut off the rest of her clothes while Anthony felt her breasts, fingered her nipples, and licked her pussy. Once she was naked and submissively quiet, they threatened to stab her with the scissors if she didn't blow them. They removed the duct tape from her mouth, pushed her to her knees, and forced her to suck them. Forcing her to swallow, she told me that she sucked Marcus first and then Anthony. Bastards.
said June. Those dirty bastards. If they were here now, I'd kill them myself, said June. Stripping her, touching her, and molesting her, as if she was some cheap party whore they brought home from a strip club, Marcus spread her legs, mounted her, and fucked her. Then Anthony did the same. I was never as angry when Lucille told me what they did to her, said Malcolm grabbing the back of his car seat with his big hand, violently shaking it, and looking as if he was going to rip it out of the car. Calm down, Malcolm. It's okay, said June rubbing his leg. I needed to hear from my sister's lips what happened before confronting my brothers. Even then, after they raped my baby sister, I gave them every consideration of mercy and every chance for them to redeem themselves by them telling me the truth. Instead of being honest with me, instead of being a man and admitting what they did, they lied. Looking for some sign of remorse, when all they gave me was their contempt, seeing myself in them in the way that I used to be, I knew that if I didn't end their lives, they'd ruin mine. You did what you had to do, said June. It's okay, Malcolm. It's all behind you now. Instead of saying they were sorry, instead of begging me for mercy, instead of wanting to make amends to my sister, before they died, they told me that the sex was consensual. What fuckers! Can you imagine them blaming poor Lucille for their incestuous depravity? How low can they go in their depravity? When I looked in their eyes, a criminal to the very end, they truly believed that they were innocent of raping Lucille. Well, said June, they told me that she was the aggressor. They told me she was coming on to the from the first night they were there. They told me that she'd dress and undress with her bedroom door open. They told me that she was the one teasing them by walking around her apartment topless and naked. They told me that she wanted to fuck and suck them but, knowing my Lucille in the way that I do, I knew better. I knew they were lying. Just as I knew the bad men my brothers were, I knew the good woman my Lucille was. In the way I put them high up on my pedestal, just like my mother, my baby sister was a saint, Saint Lucille. With the woman incapable of lying, I just had to look in Lucille's eyes to know the truth. Malcolm looked away from June to stare out his car window. I'm so sorry, Malcolm. I'm not a violent person, but I understand that you did what you had to do. Said June looking at Malcolm. I don't think I could kill anyone unless they were trying to kill me or my children, but it must have been so horrible for you to have to murder your brothers for the safety of your sister. Getting away with crimes all their lives, serving too little time for all that they did, they deserve to die for what they did to Lucille. Said Malcolm making a big fist and pumping it. They had no right to do that to their own sister. What they did was so wrong, especially after she helped hide them. Some people are just born evil, Malcolm, said June. After all that happened, she was never right in the head. She had nightmares. I tried getting her to see someone, but she wouldn't go. Afraid to go out, she never left her apartment. On the pretense of having her do some paperwork for me, I supported her, paying all her bills and expenses. She didn't even go out to buy groceries. She bought all that she needed online and had them delivered. That's when she started gaining weight. No doubt eating from stress and not even going out to walk, she ballooned to more than 300 pounds. The poor, poor woman, said June. A sad and lonely existence, she remained alone with no man in her life and no children. Then, one day, years after the sexual assault, after she didn't answer her phone, I went to her apartment. He said looking at June with tears in his eyes. I found her dead, said Malcolm hanging his head. She killed herself. She committed suicide. Thinking that this was the final chapter and the worst of it, the death of her would have been the death of me, had I not found my salvation and my redemption by stumbling on the truth. Oh my God! 
How so tragically sad? I'm so sorry, Malcolm, was all that June could say after this incestuous triangle and murderous confession prematurely ended their evening of sex. The worst of it? What do you mean, the worst of it? What do you mean by the death of her would have been the death of you, had you not found your salvation and your redemption by stumbling on the truth? Just as you never know what people do behind closed, bedroom doors, you never know what skeletons people have hiding in their closets. He said as if he was a reverend in church giving a Sunday sermon. Malcolm remained silent while looking at June. I don't understand, Malcolm. You're talking in riddles. What does your sister's suicide have to do with your salvation and redemption? How much worse could things have gotten than your brothers raping your sister, you killing your brothers, and your sister committing suicide? Honestly, June, that's not even the worst of it, said Malcolm shaking his head and taking her small hand in his big hand. Seriously? You're kidding. Not the worst of it? How can it get any worse than that? Sparing my older sister, Camille, from cleaning out her apartment, when I was boxing up Lucille's belongings, I found her journal hidden under her mattress. I took it home with me and after reading it, I destroyed it. What did she write? June looked at Malcolm with a face full of apprehension. What didn't she write? It was all there. What she wrote was quite the eye-opener into the sordid, sexual life of my baby sister. I thought she was an angel. I thought she was a saint. She was a whore. Much like me with all the sexual escapades I've done in my life. Like big brother like baby sister. I had no idea she had such a dark side to her life. I thought she was one of the bright lights in my family. Always trying to emulate her goodness and positive attitude. The truth in her journal surprised me. We all have things we regretted doing, Malcolm. No one lives a perfect life. Said June. Before I started earning a lot of money, while I was working hard to build my fortune and my brothers were being arrested and put in jail, my sister did a lot of late-night clubbing. When she was unemployed for a time and desperate for cash to pay her bills, she exchanged sex for money for rent and for food. I've read what she wrote over so many times that I practically memorized the last page. You don't have to tell me, Malcolm, if it's that painful, said June stopping him but looking as if she couldn't wait to know all the dirty details. Sometimes it's best you remember the dead in the way you remembered her when she was alive and before reading the sordid truth in her personal journal. Damn, she wrote, said Malcolm ignoring June's suggestion to not defile the memory of Lucille when his sister already had done that herself. As if praying, as if meditating, and as if calling forward all that he read from memory, he closed his eyes and remained silent for a while. Then, as if he was getting in character before reading a rehearsed script, he abruptly started speaking. I didn't know Malcolm was going to kill Marcus and Anthony for something they didn't do. It was all my fault, and now it's all my fault that my brothers are dead. Oh my God, uttered June. I never should have partied with them. I never should have dressed and undressed in front of them. I shouldn't have walked around the apartment topless and naked in front of them. A sister sexually teasing her brothers, what was I thinking? Even though I've always been sexually attracted to them, I was asking for trouble, continued Malcolm. Only, I was drunk and high and as stoned as they were. It the way that I seduced my big brother, and the way that I fucked and sucked Malcolm so very long ago, I always wanted to suck and fuck Marcus and Anthony too. You had sex with your sister? June looked at him with disdain. It was a long time ago. We were drunk. We were troubled. We were poor. We were stupid. We were lonely and in need of some sexual comfort. As if a spark that ignites a curtain and with our young, horny bodies a blazing inferno, one thing quickly led to another. Even though we were both of age, 
even though she wasn't a virgin and the sex was consensual, being that I was older and should have known better, I always felt guilty for taking advantage of her. After that, I took care of her with money and trying to make things right. Years later, when she told me that Marcus and Anthony raped her, blaming myself and still feeling bad for what I had done so long ago, I lost my mind as if I was the one who had raped her. I'm sorry for prematurely prejudging you for having sex with your sister. It's wrong but I understand now. It's just that with my mother having sex with my husband, whether it's a mother-in-law and son-in-law or a brother and sister, I'm unduly sensitive to that type of forbidden relationship. Said June. It's okay. I understand too. I do. Said Malcolm. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Is there more to what Lucille wrote? There is. He said continuing to recite from memory again. It was just a blowjob, she wrote. It was only supposed to be just a quick lay. I didn't think they'd take things further than that. Even though I always sexually fantasized about having sex with my brothers, I never would have had sex with them had I not been high on cocaine. What happened served me right. Getting more than I bargained for, after they fucked my pussy, I couldn't believe it when they turned me around and fucked me up the ass over and again too. Treating me like some cheap bought and paid for whore, that wasn't right. Hurting like hell, they could at least have lubricated my ass first. Jesus Christ, Malcolm, this is unbelievable. Said June. I couldn't believe it when they pounded my ass, really pounded my black ass as if I was some prison cellmate. Undaunted by June's outrage, Malcolm continued. I should have known with them being in prison so long that they prefer anal sex to regular sex, she wrote. Using me like the whore that I've become, over the next few days, I don't how many times they fucked me and made me blow them. I would have fought them, if I wasn't so enjoying the welcomed sex. I should have known what I did was wrong, but I never thought Malcolm would do what he did for the sake of me. Thinking that I was only telling him stories to get him sexually aroused in the way that I used to do when telling him about my sexual experiences with my boyfriends, I didn't think he'd take me seriously. No longer able to live with the guilt, I wish I were dead. So, just as they were all lying, in their own way, they were all telling the truth. The sex between Lucille, Marcus, and Anthony was consensual, that is, until they took her anally. Said June. Yes, said Malcolm. And all that Lucille told you about her brothers reenacting a scene from Clockwork Orange by cutting her clothes with scissors was a lie too? Yeah. With me blinded by the guilt I carried from my youth for having had sex with my what I thought was my innocent sister, I was unable to see her for who she was, a sexual woman of incestuous passion and free will. I guess I didn't want me to know and was unable to believe that she was the instigator enticing my brothers and not the other way around. Said Malcolm with sadness. Obviously, blaming yourself for having sex with your sister that makes sense that it was your guilty conscience that interfered with your judgment in seeing your sister for who she really was. Said June trying to comfort him. I'm sure I'll be confronting that issue myself, when my children grow older and question my logic for giving out sex for money, rent, and food. She changed after she was sexually assaulted. She was never like this. We used to tease her because she had big tits, huge knockers. She had a lot of boyfriends, but I never thought she was having sex with all of them. Lucille was no virgin, but she wasn't a whore either. At least I didn't think she was. Who knows? Maybe she was. No matter, my kid sister and my best friend, she was normal in every way and we had a great brother and sister relationship, once we got by our sexual attraction. She sounds normal to me, said June. If anything I was backward sexually, having only experienced two men in my life, my husband and Larry, that is, until meeting you, which by the way, we still haven't done anything, mister.
she said with a nervous laugh. She was just as sexual as I was back then, not that we had sex again but, as she alluded to in her journal, we openly discussed the men she dated. Said Malcolm ignoring her comment again. Mostly for titillation's sake, I told her that I got off on hearing her talking dirty and hearing her sexual confessions. Talking about sex with my kid sister was probably where my fetish for dirty talk started. With me always giving her money, paying for this and buying her that, she reciprocated my kind, generosity by telling me about all the blowjobs she gave to men. My sister said that she loved sucking cock and I truly believed that she was making up stories just to excite me as recompense for the money I freely gave her. Yet, now that I know her better through her journal and through her stories, what she told me weren't stories but real sexual encounters that she had with numerous men. It's also tragically shocking, Malcolm. No one would ever believe this if it wasn't all true, said June remaining quiet while waiting for him to speak again. Before all of this happened, she was fun-loving. Then, even though she never left the house to go to church, she was into the Almighty Lord and the Good Book. No doubt, her prayers are what got her through her darkest hour, but that was years ago. It's time to move on, but it was apparent to me that she'd never get over what happened to her. He said pausing to make eye contact with June. I didn't tell her that I killed Marcus and Anthony. I didn't have to tell her. She knew me well enough to know what I had to do to give her peace and to not make her afraid again. Only, I made the fatal mistake of believing her over my brothers. Trusting her over them, I should have realized that they were all playing me for money. They were bad men, Malcolm. If you hadn't taken their lives, it would only be a matter of time before their own gang members or the police would have. Said June. As far as your sister, she was only trying to get by and telling you what she thought you wanted to hear. It was all such a tragic misunderstanding, said June. Maybe she still would have been alive today if only she had talked to someone, a therapist, someone who is trained in counseling rape victims, but she refused to see a doctor. Other than our minister, who checked on her at her apartment from time to time, she talked to no one about what happened, not even with me or her big sister, Camille. She used to be close to her sister, but she shut her out too. So all of that about you being married was a lie? June looked at him with insight. It was, said Malcolm. Pretending she was your living wife, you use your dead sister as a way and as your excuse not to get close to women. Said June with even more insight. Is that it? Yes, said Malcolm ashamed as if he was just caught lying to his mother. Only it's different with you, June. You're the first woman who has touched me deeper inside. Able to talk to you about everything and able to tell you all my secrets. You're the first woman I trust. Well, I like you too, Malcolm, and I'd like to get to know you better, if only you'll allow me inside. I think we've taken a giant leap by you trusting me with your dark secrets, said June. They remained silent while June wondered how to broach the next subject after Malcolm ruined the sexual mood by expounding so much personal tragedy. Well, where do we go from here? Malcolm looked at her while waiting for her to respond being that you still have some time left on the clock, she said looking at her watch. Maybe we can preserve this date after all. She persevered with a sexy smile and a slow cross of her legs to flash him her panty. Tell me and be explicit. Don't omit a thing. What kind of sexual stuff do you talk about when with other women? Then tell me what I can do for you, Malcolm, she said resting her hand in his crotch. Chapter 09 more than just a job and not all just dirty talk, Malcolm makes June a proposition. There's nothing that you can do for me that I can't do for myself, June. There's nothing I can do for you? I don't understand, she said looking at him. 
Unless you're a contortionist and have a blow-up doll at home, I can think of a couple of things that I can do for you that you aren't able to do for yourself. She said with a laugh. Point taken, said Malcolm laughing too. Actually, pillow talk but without actually having sex does it for me. I can't get enough of dirty talk. I enjoy asking women what they've done and who they've done it with. I like knowing what their most embarrassing situations were, such as, if they were caught undressing or masturbating, if they lost a bikini top at the beach or someone was peeping on them through their bedroom window. I love knowing what turns them on and what makes them horny. I enjoy them telling me about what they think about when masturbating. When he looked over at her, she removed any judgment from her face and accepted him for who he was, a horny, lonely, untrusting, big, black man. Being that you're so specific about your fetish, it certainly sounds like you know what you want, said June. Only, other than you masturbating yourself while thinking about all that women told you about their most embarrassing experiences and what they think about while masturbating, just talking about sex and not having sex doesn't sound so sexually fulfilling to me. After they disclose what they've done and who they've done it with, after they tell you their most embarrassing experience, and after they confess what turns them on and what they masturbate about, the next progression would be having sex with them. Unfortunately, other than with a prostitute, there aren't many women who are comfortable freely talking about their sexual past, especially to a stranger. There's always that false premise that women are supposed to be pure and innocent. Conversely, from all the women I've known, including my beloved sister, dear, departed Lucille, said Malcolm bowing his head and signing himself. Just as much of a sexual animal as are men, most women are sluts. And most men are pigs said June with a laugh. We're all human, Malcolm. We all have needs, wants, and desires, said June not wanting to be classified as a slut even though being paid to dress the way she was dressed and willing to do what was expected of her deemed her a slut. Maybe they feel guilty for what they did in the past and, in the way of holding up a mirror of shame to their face, they don't want to discuss what they did with someone who may be in their future. Maybe they think I'd think them a slut or a whore and no doubt I would. Most women think it odd that I want to know what they did sexually anyway. Perhaps they think if we were to develop a relationship, I'd throw it up in their face one day and probably one day I would. That's why I pay Larry to find me someone for the privilege of having an arousing, erotic conversation. I see, said June looking at him with interest. So let me get this straight. With all the women that Larry supplied you with, you just talked to them? You never touched them? They never touched you? You didn't have any sex with any of them? I know it may sound odd and I may have told you or suggested differently to you, but it was all just talk, June, along with a bit of peeping, if they flashed me. Sadly and unfortunately for me, believe it or not, there aren't very many women who know how to correctly and seductively flash a man. What do you mean? As if she was Sharon Stone in the movie Basic Instinct, June turned more in her car seat to face Malcolm while slowly and seductively crossing her legs to flash him her panty. So much more erotically exciting, I prefer a woman who can make her flashes appear accidental. I love leaving a woman while scratching my head and wondering if she flashed me accidentally or on purpose. Maybe it's something that dates back to my childhood and seeing up skirts and down blouses of my mother, sisters, aunts, and cousins, but it sexually excites me to see something that I wasn't supposed to see. Seeing an upskirt flash of panty or an up nightgown flash of a pussy or seeing a down blouse view of a bra or a down nightgown flash of a breast is more erotically arousing than seeing a woman standing before me naked. Well, said June, I understand what you're saying but if given the choice, I don't think there'd be many men who'd pick an upskirt flash or down blouse view over seeing a naked woman. 
Unfortunately, being that most prostitutes have been sexually abused, even a prostitute may be reluctant to talk about their past sexual encounters with me. Most think me weird for wanting to know what they did with their johns, said Malcolm shrugging his big shoulders. I don't like women who can't talk about what they've done and who they've been with sexually. If they can't openly talk about sex, too secretive and probably hiding something, then they can't be trusted. Not all women, even prostitutes are comfortable talking about sex, Malcolm, said June. Precisely my point, June. To be honest, so long as they're classy and not slutty, I like whores who enjoy being a prostitute, those who aren't shy, embarrassed, or uncomfortable talking about sex and about their past, personal, sexual experiences. He made eye contact with her and smiled. I'm surprised that Larry never told you what I like. Apparently, from our conversation now, I don't think Larry even knows what you like. Otherwise he would have told me up front that you like to talk about sex and to listen to a woman talk about sex rather than having sex. Said June with some rejection. Honestly, I was surprised that someone who's as good-looking and as much of a manly man as you is just a talker and not a doer. June looked down and marveled at how small her hand was in his before looking up to make eye contact with him. Listen, Malcolm, I know you paid Larry $2,500 for my services and I feel obligated that I should give you something to dash. What we're doing now, openly and honestly talking while holding hands, is what I like to do, June. Besides, with you dressed the way you're dressed with your blouse unbuttoned enough that I can see your cleavage, your bra and a bit of your titties, and with your skirt raised high enough to flash me your panty is enough sexual stimulation for me. What else, Malcolm? Surely, just dirty talk isn't enough to get you off, said June removing her hand from his and hoping not to frighten the big man by running a slow hand along his muscular thigh. Surely, in addition to talking, you enjoy having sex with a woman, don't you? He stared down at her hand before looking up at her. As if he was a fly and she was a spider, he was already trapped in her web. I go home and take care of that business myself. He said looking at all that she was showing and seemingly a bit uncomfortable confessing that he preferred masturbating himself to having sex with women. If you'd like to do something for me, June, yes, I would, Malcolm. Tell me what you want. Anything and I'd be happy to sexually satisfy you. She said running a slow tongue over her lips while placing her hand on his bulge. Malcolm stared at all that June was showing. He stared up her skirt at her panty and he stared down her blouse at her bra. He seemed content just looking until he asked to see more. If I could see a little more up your skirt, see your panty, your pussy mound, and your pussy slit, and see a bit more down your blouse, more of your cleavage, your bra, and part of the top of your tit, that will help the process along for me to recall when I'm masturbating over you later. June went a bit overboard in her attempt to sexually please him. With a foot planted on his massive thigh, she spread her legs, lifted up her short skirt to her waist, and, with a hand beneath her skirt, pulled her panty to the side to expose her smoothly shaved pussy. With him staring at her exposed panty and pussy lips, she unbuttoned another button of her blouse and pulled her bra down enough to expose most of her breasts and her areolas and nipples. She watched him staring from her tits to her pussy and from her pussy to her tits. She was as aroused showing him her tits and pussy as she hoped he'd be aroused seeing them. A sexy game of erotic exhibitionism and voyeurism, living the life of the bored, unhappy housewife and busy mother, she never sexually played with anyone, not even her husband during their dating and early married days. With her sexual attraction to him taking a back seat to his fetish, putting an active sex relationship on the back burner for now, she was happy to play his game of dirty, pillow-talking. Even though he was yet to touch her, feel her, and undress her, he made her feel sexy. He made her feel wicked. 
he made her wet. How's that? Malcolm looked at her, as if she had just insulted him. No, sorry, that doesn't do it for me, he said crushing her with embarrassment. Sorry, she said removing her foot from his leg. She fixed her panty and put her tits back in her brow while thinking that he thought the worst of her for so shamelessly exposing herself to him. No doubt, now he must think of her as a slut even though she's playing the role of one sitting there with him in the back seat of his car with the little that she's wearing. Don't get me wrong, June. I'm not rejecting you. That's not it at all. You're a very beautiful and desirable woman and I appreciate your effort to please me, he said with a smile. As I tried explaining to you before, I like seeing something that I'm not supposed to see. The hint of something is more exciting than seeing a woman naked. It's real good if I see something by accident, even if it's an accidentally on purpose flash. I see, she said with some disappointment that she was unable to sexually excite him. A flash of panty when a woman crosses her legs to get more comfortable, or a peek down a blouse when she's leaning forward to rifle through her purse is what fills my mind with the visuals that I need to masturbate over later. Always wanting to see more and imagining later that I did, I prefer an erotic tease instead of a flagrant display. Then I don't understand. She said suddenly feeling like Julia Roberts ridiculously dressed as prostitute, Vivian Ward, and pretty woman. If you don't like all that I'm showing, why am I wearing this ridiculously revealing outfit? Why did Larry tell me to shave my pubic hair, wear extra makeup with bright, red lipstick, and put my hair in pigtails? He did? Larry told you to do that? He went so far as to tell you what to wear? He told you to dress like this? I don't believe it. I don't believe him. Malcolm roared laughing. What you look like now is the type of woman that Larry likes. He likes the young, dumb, 18-year-old, bubblegum-chewing girls instead of an older, intelligent, and more mature woman. Do you want a piece of bubblegum? She reached in her purse and pulled out a piece. Larry told me that you like women who chew bubblegum. She said with a laugh. He prefers girls to women, which is why he insisted you shave your private parts. I go more for the elegant lady, someone my age, a little younger, or even a little older, than the college co-ed slut. You'll never see me hanging around spring break in the way that Larry goes there every year, he said with a laugh. I enjoy taking a woman out someplace nice and having a good time while talking about sexy things. That little prick. That little shit, said June fuming. Wait until I see him again. Wait until I get my hands around his scrawny, little neck. I'll cold cock him one. This was Larry's last chance to give me what I want. Figuring that I'd want what he'd want, he must have felt pressured. He's not very smart, is he? Larry? Smart? He's a dope, said June with a shrug. I told him that I was going elsewhere because of the trashy women he arranged for me. I told him that unless he could provide me with a more refined woman that I'd never ask him to supply me with another prostitute again. I told him that I wanted someone without tattoos, teased, bleached, blonde hair, an attitude that matched her bad complexion, someone who didn't smoke and or take drugs, and a woman that had teeth. He said looking at her as if she was a piping hot plate of crispy, fried chicken. He promised me someone special this time. He promised me someone really sexy and hot. He promised me you. He said smiling. And except for that ridiculous, foul ball of an outfit you're wearing, he finally hit a home run a grand slam by fixing me up with you. Thank you, Malcolm, she said gushing with his compliment. I like you, June. I really do. I like you too, Malcolm, she said lightly rubbing his bulge. What if dash? He said staying quiet for a long minute. What if? Yes? What if what, Malcolm? 
June reached up her other hand to play with his ear in the hopes of teasing him to have sex with her. What if, instead of working for Larry, you work for me? Work for you? I don't know anything about the automotive accessory business. June looked at him with disappointment while thinking that all she was good for was sex and Malcolm didn't even want that. He just wanted to talk. He just wanted to listen. Married with children all my life. I don't know how to do anything, Malcolm. I haven't had a job in an office in Dash. No, not that kind of work, he said with a big laugh. I don't see you answering phones and filing. Although I wouldn't mind seeing you leaning over a desk while wearing a low-cut blouse or squatting down with your legs parted while filing. She looked at him while thinking what he meant. Then the revelation of his meaning took hold of her. Do you mean hooking for you with you as my pimp? Is that what you mean? Do you want me to be your prostitute? Well, not thinking myself as a pimp or you as a prostitute. I wouldn't phrase it like that. But yeah, I guess. Only think of me more as a benefactor and you as a companion. I'd call what we'd do as more of an escort service and you an escort instead of a hooker. He smiled. I have friends who come to town from time to time and who'd love to have the company of someone like you. They'd not only treat you well but also they'd pay you well for your time too. She looked at him a bit shocked that she was interviewing for a job instead of having sex with the big man. Nonetheless, interested to hear the rest of his proposition, she'd much rather work for Malcolm than for Larry. How much do you consider well paid? Oh, I figure you're definitely worth much more than Larry is paying you. Once we buy you some new clothes, get you into some sexy but classy outfits, and get you all beautified in one of those spas that pamper your body as well as your spirit, you'd be spectacular looking, a -a one-of-a-kind beauty. Easily, you'd earn $500 an hour with some men willing to pay someone who looks as classy as you do a $1,000 an hour or more. Already she was looking forward to a day spent at a spa luxuriously pampering herself. While imagining getting a massage and having her hair, nails, and makeup done, she's never imagined having such decadent treatment. As if she was Cinderella and Malcolm was her fairy godfather, June reveled in receiving that kind of money for escorting and or giving someone sex. Suddenly, imaging all the money she'd make, she envisioned having her house painted, the leaky roof fixed, and buying a new car. Then, bursting her fairy tale bubble, suddenly jealous, she figured that she wasn't the only one. She had to ask him the question. How many other women are you running in your stable? She looked at him with nervousness. Maybe working for Malcolm was akin to taking a leap from the frying pan to the fire. Maybe he'd be worse at working for Larry. Maybe acting so nice now, he'd beat her later. Other woman? Stable? I don't have any other women. I don't have a stable. If you accept, I'll just have, he said with a laugh. I don't understand. What's to understand? I'm offering you a job and a way away from Larry. She's always been good at reading people but, a bit perplexed after receiving mixed signals from him, she was having a difficult time reading him. If you have a successful automotive accessories business, then why do you need money from an escort business on the side? How much can you possibly make having only one woman in your escort service? It doesn't seem worth your while to money. You misunderstand. I don't want any of your money. I can assure you, he said with his big laugh. I don't need your money or any more money. I have more money than I know that to do with. I'm a millionaire many times over. I give much of my money away to friends and family, even to deserving strangers, especially if I know it will give them a foot up in helping them to take care of themselves. He touched her hair and continued moving his hand down and across while allowing his fingers to brush her cheek. Specializing in high-end cars and giving my customers unparalleled customer service, the automotive accessory business has been very good to me. 
Then I don't understand, Malcolm, said June. What's to understand? Think of me as your benefactor instead of your pimp. Think of yourself as a companion instead of a whore. Whatever you earn you keep. You don't have to split what you earn with me in the way you must split with Larry. What you make escorting my friends is your business and your money. What I guarantee you that Larry can't is your safety. Trust me. I know some bad people. No one will dare hurt or abuse you while you're in my care. I can promise you that. Your days of being afraid are over. Okay, you sold me. I'm interested but I'm confused. She looked at him again. If you don't want money, what do you get out of our business arrangement? What do I get? I get a lot. I finally get what I want that I haven't been able to get with Larry. I pick who you will be with when. Unless you fall in love and want to stop our mutually beneficial arrangement, part of our private agreement is that for the time you work for me, you must abstain from sex. You can't be with anyone else other than with who I choose. Okay, I can do that, said June. Other than who you tell me to have sex with, I agree not to have sex with anyone else. She said still looking at him with confusion. Unless you're just trying to help me and being nice to me, I still don't understand what your angle is. Here's my angle. After you've finished with a client, once you've relaxed and refreshed yourself from your sexual adventure, we'll meet and you'll tell me everything that happened and you'll answer all of my questions, no matter how unimportant and or inane they may seem to you. Seriously? Is that all? That's it, said Malcolm. Sorry for my disbelief. Let me get this straight. She said looking at him as if he was crazy. You'll buy me a new wardrobe of clothes, pay to send me to a spa, and protect me while I'm servicing your friends and making more money in just a few hours than I can make in a month. Yes, said Malcolm with a smile. All I want out of our arrangement is some straight, sexy, dirty talk. Okay. I get it, she said. I'm starting to understand your motive. For me, it's more exciting that I personally know the men you're with while listening to you talk about what you did with them. Asking you questions and hearing your answers would be much more erotically arousing than watching any porn movie. More exciting than experiencing it yourself? Oh, yes. Why don't you just videotape the room? I could do that and I may do that, but watching it and hearing it is not enough for me to feel what you felt while having sex with the men that I choose. I need to get in your head and I can only do that if you tell me all that happened and what you were feeling as it was happening. I told you, I'm into talking and not doing. Talking and listening to you is what sexually arouses me. Talking is what I want. Through your words and emotions, I prefer creating my own images than watching them unfold on television or experiencing them myself in a bedroom. Okay, I get it. I do. Whatever floats your boat, Malcolm. She said with a shrug. I can do whatever it is you want. I can have sex with your friends and I can tell you everything that happened and how I was feeling as it happened. Yet. Yet what? Why me? There are lots of women out there who jump at working for you and for this kind of one-sided deal. So, what's the catch? Chapter 10 Why you? Well, for starters, it's not just the physical sex that lights my fire, June, said Malcolm. The verbal stimulation for me is just as exciting as the physical stimulation. In my case, the verbal stimulation is more exciting than the physical stimulation. My problem has always been that not all women, who do what you do, have the creative intelligence enough to cerebrally satisfy me. I see, she said. For a man so big and so strong, you seem to be wired more like a woman than a man, Malcolm, she said with a sexy smile. With men more visual and women more emotional. Much like you in that regard, 
women require more cerebral stimulation than do men. Having my brain sexually stimulated is more exciting to me than having a woman making my cock hard with her hand and or mouth. Preferably and even so much as not seeing nor knowing what the woman looked like and with either of us allowed to touch the other, I'd almost prefer being in a pitch, black room with a woman who has a sexy voice and a dirty mind as her only tools to stimulate me. Interesting, said June. She'd talk dirty to me as I masturbated to her words. He said looking at her as if afraid she'd think less of him for the confession of his sexual fetish. If there was a way to arrange that kind of erotic interplay without having me come off creepy, I would. Only, I don't know how to do that other than to look for a woman who is willing and able to satisfy my needs. He said looking deeply in her eyes. I think I found that woman in you. Actually, being with you in a dark room with just my voice to arouse you, albeit challenging, sounds like fun, Malcolm. I'd love to try something like that with you sometime. I'd love for my words to be so sexually arousing that I can make you come without touching you. She said with a sexy smile. Wow. How hot is that? See? That's what I mean and that's why I like you, June. You understand what a man wants and what a man needs without questioning his desires and passing judgment on his fetishes to make him feel guilty. There's nothing for you to feel guilty about, Malcolm. Words whispered in your ear can be just as arousing as a tit in your hand or, in my case, a cock in my mouth. Sometimes sexy thoughts are more stimulating than getting laid. Think of dirty talk as mental foreplay without the physical interaction, said June. You get it. That's exactly what I mean, June. I imagine a woman as beautiful as you with a voice as sexy as your voice playing through the speakers in my house. No matter where I am, in the bedroom, in the kitchen, in the living room, or in the bathroom, and even in my car, I'd hear her sexy voice in my head enticing me to pleasure myself to her arousing words. He said closing his eyes as if imagining his sexual fantasy. Of course the problem becomes when you prefer one over the other. There needs to be a healthy balance of dirty talk and physical sex. I'll have to work on that with you she said grabbing his cock through his pants. I'm willing to work with you on that, June, he said opening his eyes with a smile. Relax, she said in her sexiest voice. Allow me to excite you with my voice without touching you with my hands or mouth, she said moving her hand away from his bulge. Think of me as June, your personal, erotic computer you had installed in your house for your sexual, listening pleasure, she said looking at him. I can do this, Malcolm. Maybe you could even prepare a dialogue for me to recite, different one each day. Maybe if there's interest enough, we can record our sexy thoughts on a computer chip and market our idea. Imagine a blow-up doll being able to talk dirty. I may not be interested in a blow-up doll, he said with a big laugh. But I know you can excite me with your words which is why I offered you the job, said Malcolm. Yet dirty talk is not the only condition of the job. What other condition is there? I have white friends too, of course but all my close friends are black men, he said. Black men want white women, but not all white women want black men. I need a white woman who'd be agreeable to exclusively having sex with black men. Much like me, all the black men I'll introduce you to are successful, educated, and respectful. They'll treat you like the lady you are, especially if I introduce you as my special friend. However, you must never tell them that you're reporting everything they did with you to me. I prefer them thinking that I'm your man and am sharing you with them, and not spying on them for my sexual pleasure, if you know what I mean. Yes, I understand what you mean. You're the man, said June with a chuckle and giving his package a gentle squeeze while lightly teasing the head of his prick with her finger. Only. Yes? Only what? He looked at her affection. 
you're the first black man that I've ever been with and even now, with you refusing to have sex with me and only wanting to talk about sex, I still haven't experienced what it's like to be with a black man, she said with a laugh. Still playing the professional call girl, she decided not to tell him that she was horny and hot for him. If your friends are much like you, considerate and kind, then I don't see a problem with me having sex with them or with you, especially with you and especially with them helping me to earn a nice living. I'm not a racist, Malcolm. I'm a woman who's been sexually neglected all of her adult life. I'm a woman who's looking forward to making up for all that I lost by having some hot sex. I know that, June. Just as I know you're not a racist, I know you have needs too. Otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here with me, a supersized, black man while wearing what you're wearing, he said with a booming laugh. Only, I'd prefer experiencing being with a black man first before agreeing to only exclusively having sex with black men, she said looking up at him while rubbing her hand along his bulging erection. Since you're here with me now, alone in the back of your car— as any good pimp would, I mean benefactor, why can't you break my interracial cherry and personally show me what it's like to be with a black man? I'd like to know what it's like to be with you sexually. She looked at him with as much sexual excitement as she did curiosity. I'm curious to know. There was an uncomfortable pause where they looked at one another. Knowing that he'd never make the first move, based on his sexual peccadillo that he'd rather just talk and listen than to have sex with a woman, June leaned over and kissed him on the lips. When he didn't pull away or push her away, she parted his reluctant lips with her tongue. With her fingers already toying with the head of his cock through his pants, she slid her hand down to feel the rest of his growing erection, while French kissing him. No, June, please stop. You mustn't, said Malcolm putting his hand over hers. Damn, you're such a hot woman. I've never been with anyone like you before. It's so hard to say no to you. Then don't say no. Go with the flow, Malcolm. Please? Think of my sucking your cock as a practice run for me to see if what they say is true. And what do they say? He laughed. Once you go black, you never go back, she said with a chuckle. Take my word for it. Think of black men as sexual vampires. It's true. Once you go black, you'll never go back, he said returning her chuckle. They'll own your white ass with their big black cocks. I wish you'd let me do something for you, she said moving her fingers beneath his hand when he allowed her to move her fingers, giving her an open door with his passive, albeit silent agreement, she knew that he wanted more. Besides, wouldn't you get more out of me telling you what happened between you and your friends, if you've already experienced me for yourself? She looked at him and smiled. Think of having sex with me as necessary research for you to more enjoy the visualization of my words. You do make a strong argument, June, but I can't. I'm sorry. Why not? I told you already. It's not the intimate sex that I want, it's the dirty talking that I need. As if in a constant state of foreplay with dirty, pillow talk or in a continual state of afterglow arousal with sexy banter, it's the talking about the sex and not the actually act that does it for me. He said. Must our relationship have to be so sexually one-sided? I have needs too, Malcolm, and, after all of his talking about sex and with my hand feeling your enormous cock through your pants, I'm pretty frigging horny right now. I'm human too, you know. She said lightly touching his hardening prick with her fingers while wondering what more she could say to change his mind to have sex with her. What if I gave you a running, dirty-talking dialogue while giving your hot sex? What if I included both as a way to light your fire? That might work, he said. I'm willing to give that a try if you are. As if giving her a reluctant, conciliatory consent when he removed his hand from his her hand, she continued gently moving her hand over his big bulge through his pants. 
he looked down to watch her feel his cock through his trousers. Do you like it when I touch you like this? She looked up at him and asked another question when he didn't answer the first one. Do you like it when I feel your cock through your pants? Again, he didn't answer her. Instead, he looked up from what she was doing to look at her before quickly looking back down again at her feeling his prick. Apparently, as was his idea of sex, was one-sided, his idea of dirty talking was one-sided too. Obviously he'd rather listen than participate in the dirty talking dialogue. How does it feel when I touch you like this, Malcolm? Feeling the girth of him, she lightly squeezed his bulge with her fingers while running her fingertips over the head of his cock again. As much as you need dirty talk, I do too. She said hinting for him to join in their backseat pillow talk and tell her something erotically provocative enough to get her in the mood, even though she was already in the mood to suck him. Again, as if he suddenly lost his ability to verbally communicate, he didn't answer her. As if he was a nervous teenager about to have his first sexual experience with a woman, and with her playing the part of an aggressive prostitute, he just stared down watching her hand and her fingers feeling his cock. For such a big man, he was so submissively respectful. For such a big man, he was so sexually shy. Needing to feel him respond to her loving affection and sexual attention, she leaned to him and kissed him again. She never thought this gentle giant would be so passive. She never thought he'd be so sexually stunted to only want to talk and not do. Do you like it when I kiss you? She waited for him to answer before kissing him again and before asking him another question. Hoping he'd answer, she was playing his game after all. Yes, he said finally but only giving her one word, one syllable answer. She leaned into him and kissed him again. This time, more cooperative but without fully returning her kiss, he allowed her to part his lips more easily. Touch me, she said. Feel me. When he didn't respond by volunteering his hand, she lifted his big, left hand and placed it on her right breast. Not moving it away, when he left his hand there and gently felt her breast through her blouse and her bra as if he was feeling a ripe melon, she knew she had him where she wanted him. Still fondling his cock through his pants as he fondled her breast through her clothes, she felt his cock grow bigger and harder with the feel of her tit and the erection of her nipple. Definitely, she assumed, by Malcolm's obvious sexual excitement, he was a breast man and June had beautiful, shapely, and firm breasts with big nipples. So, he wasn't all talk after all, she now knew. With him not objecting and by his obvious sexual excitement with hers matching his, she leaned forward and moved her hand higher to unzip him. With her fingertips poised on his zipper ready to pull him open as if he was kind of male meat, and with him more preoccupied with her body than with her fingers, she watched his eyes dart down to look at what she was showing with her blouse so unbuttoned her cleavage so exposed, and her skirt raised so high. With him French kissing her and feeling her breast, as if trying not to make a sound and as if he was sleeping, she didn't want him suddenly becoming aware that he was being unzipped. Slowly and stealthily, not wanting to frighten the big man with her sexual aggressiveness, as if secretly opening the combination lock to a safe, she slowly and silently unzipped his pants again. He didn't resist her undressing him this time. Instead, he watched her unzip him. Such a tall man, he had a much bigger zipper than a smaller man and much longer zipper than her husband's familiar, normal-sized zipper. Unzipping him was as if watching a zipper parody played on Saturday Night Live with the sound that a small zipper makes versus the louder and longer sound of a much bigger zipper. Once she unzipped him, once his sexual safe was unlocked and gaping wide open, she reached her hand inside his pants and felt his big, black, hard prick through his underwear. Just as was he so big on the outside— his cock was huge on the inside too. As if holding onto a thick pole or a piece of pipe, 
she moved her hand along the length of him to answer her unasked question. With the feel of him telling her what she needed to know, his cock was comparable in proportion to his height. She looked up at him with obvious sexual excitement by the monstrous feel of him. His prick felt as big as he looked. Finally, his passion for her made him return her kiss while he fingered her nipples through her blouse and bra. You have such a big cock, Malcolm, she said breaking off her kiss to whisper her sexy dialogue in his ear. I love how your penis feels beneath my hand. I can't wait to see your cock. I can't wait to touch your naked prick. I can't wait to feel your hard penis. I can't wait to suck your big dick, she said hoping that her words were exciting him as much as they were exciting her. Oh, June, baby, you're making me so hot with your words, he said. Somewhat satisfied that she was making him hot, albeit only with her words, she hoped she was making him equally as hot with her hand too. I want to suck you, Malcolm, she said leaning forward to explore his ear with her tongue before sexily whispering her words to him. I need to feel your big, hard, hairy cock in my mouth. I want you to stretch my lips wide open while humping my mouth and fucking my face, she said. Make me your dirty, white bitch, Malcolm. I want to be your cunt, she said. Undaunted by his reluctance to have sex with her, her sexy words were his combination to his sexual vault that was still locked within. Daring to sexually assault the giant, June reached inside his boxers and wrapped her fingers around his naked prick. The mere touch of him excited her enough to harden her nipples more and she could feel the familiar warm, wet feeling between her legs. Ever so slowly, she stroked him to a harder erection while kissing him as he felt her breasts through her blouse and fingered her nipples through her brow. Wondering just how big this whale of a monster would get, she pulled out the top portion of his cock and stared down at him. As if his prick was an iceberg with the biggest part of it still submerged in his underwear, she could only imagine how big he was. As if she was reaching her hand in a snake pit or taking hold of an eel at a fish store, pulsating, throbbing, and twitching, his cock came alive in her hand. The first time finally seeing his prick, the first time seeing and holding a black cock in her soft, small hand, and the first time holding a cock so big, his cock was enormous. Without doubt, even though her sexual experience was limited to her husband, John, and her pimp, Larry, Malcolm's cock was not only the biggest cock she ever held in her hand and but also the biggest cock she had ever seen. His cock was so much bigger than the CFNM strippers she saw on stage when she attended a birthday party for one of her girlfriends. She wondered if his cock would even fit in her mouth. She wondered if his cock would fit in her pussy. She wondered what her beautiful, black man looked like naked. Oh, Malcolm, your cock is beautiful. You have such a wonderful prick. I love how big it is. I love feeling the power of you in my hand. Look at me holding you. You make my hand look so small in comparison to your cock. It's so hard, she said slowly stroking him. I love how big you are. I love how hard you are. I love how you feel in my hand. She looked from his prick to him. Do you like me touching you and feeling you in this way? That feels so good, June, but tell me more. Being that I prefer dirty talk to the actual sex, talk dirty to me. Also tell me that you'll work for me so that we can continue this discussion on a regular basis. He said looking down at his giant prick in her little hand. I'll agree to work for you only under only one condition. She said removing her stare from him to look back down at his magnificent prick while slowly stroking him and before looking back up at him. What's that? Malcolm looked up from her stroking his cock to look at her. Every time we get together, before I sexually satisfy you with my words, before I talk dirty to you by telling you what I did to your friend's cocks and what they did to my naked body, you must promise to satisfy me with your big, black cock. 
My condition is that you must give me what I sexually need with your cock before I give you what you cerebrally need with my words. He stared at her before looking down again at her hand holding him and stroking him while her fingers fondled the head of his prick. He gave her a thoughtful nod and with that, she slowly slid her body down, unbuttoned and unbuckled his pants, and pushed down his underwear enough to pull out the rest of his supersized cock and giant testicles. She stared at his cock while stroking it, kissing it, and licking it. Do you like it when I kiss and lick your big prick, Malcolm? She asked looking up at him with her big, green eyes while kissing and licking his prick. Yes. Again, as if a reluctant guest on Leno or Letterman, he answered with a one-syllable word. Tell me what you want, she said. No, you tell me what you want to do to me and my prick, June, he said giving her a wide smile. That's the deal. I need you to talk dirty to me and not the other way around. Obviously, Malcolm, I want to fondle the head of your prick with my fingertips. She said staring down at his cock while fondling him and before looking up at him again with her big, bright green eyes. Does that feel good when I do that? Yes, he said. Ready for the challenge. Apparently getting Malcolm to open up more would take some time. Obviously, I want to stroke your big prick in my little hand. She said slowly stroking him, while alternating her focus from his cock to his brown eyes. She gave him a sexy smile. Tell me, do you like it when I stroke your prick, Malcolm? Yes, he said as if he was a foreigner, and the only word he knew of English was yes. Obviously, I want to kiss your cock and lick your cock. I want to feel, fondle, and cup your big balls while licking them. I want to stroke your cock while sucking your cock. Would you like for me to do all of that to your cock? Yes, June, I'd love for you to kiss and lick my cock. I'd love for you to feel, fondle, and cup my balls while licking them. I'd love for you to stroke my cock while sucking my cock, he said. Some modicum of success, even though he repeated what she had just said word for word. Nonetheless, she earned more of a response from him than just yes. Suddenly, Feeling as if she was controlling him with her hand and about to control him with her mouth, she enjoyed playing this sexy game of erotic questions and answers. Excited by the anticipation of his next answer, she kissed and licked his prick while formulating her next question. Do you want me to put your big black prick in my mouth? Yes, he said looking in her eyes. Do you want me to suck you, Malcolm? Yes, he said staring at her holding his cock in her hand. Tell me. Say the words, Malcolm. Tell me what you want. Tell me what to do, said June staring up at the big man. I want you to take my big black prick in your little mouth and suck me, June, while I hump your beautiful mouth and fuck your gorgeous face, said Malcolm with obvious sexual excitement. Before I take you in my mouth, Malcolm, said June teasing him. You must promise me something first, she said torturing him. What's that, June? What is it you need me to promise you before you suck my cock? He brushed away some of her long, chestnut hair that fell forward in her face. He looked at her as if he was in love with her. I need to see your pretty face while you suck my cock, he said. You're so beautiful. You're so sexy. Taking his hint, as if she was a beautiful filly getting ready to run a slow race of seduction instead of a fast horse race, she tossed her hair back with a flip of her head and smiled up at him with her big, green eyes. I love it when you do that he said reaching his big hand out to stroke her beautiful hair. That's so hot and you have such beautiful, shiny hair. Do what? What's so hot? I find it so erotically and sexually arousing when you toss your hair back like that with a flip of your pretty head. Now whenever I need to, I can visualize you tossing back your hair before getting ready to suck me. Now that I have that visual forever etched in my mind to replay later of you flipping back your beautiful, long hair, 
You just gave me a memory that I'm unable to create unless I've seen it for myself. I thank you for that and I thank you for convincing me to have sex with you, said Malcolm. You're welcome, it's my pleasure, she said with a laugh. Sorry for interrupting you, but what was it that you wanted me to promise you before you suck me? You must promise me, Malcolm. Yes? Promise me that you won't hold back. Hold back? What do you mean, June? What you see is what you get with me. I'm as honest as I'm open. He said looking at her with as much sexual lust as he was looking at her with romantic love. Yes, I know that about you and I love that about you, but that's not what I meant. Oh, oh, she said the L word. It just slipped out. She wondered if he noticed her faux pas. In the way she was looking at him, and in the way that she was pandering over him, she wondered if he now thought that she loved him. Maybe she did love him. She didn't know. Maybe, more than just sex, what they had was love at first sight. Accustomed to being abused by her husband and not being fully appreciated by her pimp, she could easily fall in love with Malcolm, a man who treats her with kindness, attentiveness, and respect. What did you mean about me holding back? Promise me that when I make you so aroused with my hand, my mouth, and my tongue, she said kissing and licking his cock, that you'll come in my mouth. I need to taste you, Malcolm. I need to feel your warm. Uzi comes splash against the back of my throat. She felt his cock throb in her hand with her words. Don't worry, June. I don't think there's a man alive who could hold back from coming in your beautiful mouth while you're sucking him, said Malcolm with a laugh. One more thing. She said with a sexy smile and tossing her hair back again if only for the benefit of his visual recall later. Yes? What is it, June? Would you mind terribly if I swallowed your cum instead of making a mess by spitting? She looked up at him and smiled. It wouldn't be a much of a blowjob unless I ejaculated in your mouth and you swallowed, now would it? He touched her cheek before leaning his big, upper body down to kiss her. If it will make you happy for me to come in your mouth, June, and for you to swallow me, who am I to deny you that pleasure? Thank you, Malcolm. Slowly, as if opening her mouth wider for her dentist, she took his giant, black cock inside her mouth. She never had a black man's cock in her mouth before. She never had a cock this big in her mouth before. The girth of his cock stretched her lips. Suddenly, she felt how a snake must feel when swallowing a much larger animal. When she wrapped her hand around his dick, she could barely touch her fingers around. She pulled him from her mouth to look at it. He must have been ten inches long and five or six inches around. As soon as she took him in her mouth, she was excited. She was wet. She looked up at him watching her suck him before removing his prick from his mouth to speak. Do you like watching me suck you? Yes, he said. While staring up at him, she flicked out her tongue again to lick the head of his dick and the length of his cock before she continued blowing him. She could feel his excitement throbbing and stiffening in her mouth. As if measuring his excitement with her hand and with her mouth by the pulsations of his cock, she received pleasure in controlling his excitement by wrapping her hand around his cock and gently stroking him. Moving her hand up and down faster, she sucked him while swirling her tongue around the tip of his big dick. He was so big. He was so hard. He was so powerful. He was so beautiful. Touch me. She said again and removing his cock from her mouth to speak. She watched him touching her before she resumed sucking him. She felt Malcolm's big fingers unbutton the rest of her blouse and when he reached his hand inside to feel her breasts and finger her nipples through her bra, she was aroused. Then, when he inserted his big hand inside her bra, she could feel his breathing change and she knew that she was getting to him with her mouth, lips, and tongue as much as he was getting to her with his cock and his hand. 
with his hand too big to comfortably fit between her bra and her tit. Glad that she had worn a front snapping bra, she removed his cock from her mouth to sit up and unsnap her bra. Sitting up straighter, she stuck out her chest. It was so sexually exciting to watch him staring at her breasts. Do you like my tits? She looked down at her naked tits before looking up at him. You have beautiful breasts, June. Touch me, Malcolm. Feel me as if I were your lover and you were making love to me. She said suddenly feeling so vulnerable that she exposed her loneliness and unhappiness to him. Cup my breasts in your big hands and finger my nipples. Using both hands, he took both of her breasts in his hands while fingering her nipples. Slowly run your palms across my nipples, she said as if she was his sexual education teacher and he was her student. Finger my nipples, Malcolm. I like having my nipples fingered. I like having my nipples pulled, turned, and twisted, she said leaning back down in his lap to suck him, while he pulled, turned, and twisted her nipples. Malcolm, your cock is so big. I love sucking you. As soon as she said that, she could feel him become more excited. I love blowing you. I love feeling your big, hard cock in my warm, wet mouth, she said removing his cock from her mouth to speak and reinserting it again before removing it again. I can't wait for you to come in my mouth. I can't wait to taste you. I can't wait to swallow you. Oh, baby, this is so wrong. Come for me, Malcolm. Come. I can't wait to feel you explode in my mouth. She said sensing his sudden resistance that disappeared with her every sexual word she said, with every fast stroke she gave, and with every deep suck and tongue swirl she delivered. Stroking him faster while sucking him deeper, she felt the excited results of him in her hand and in her mouth. Verbally validated, she knew that it was her words that controlled him more than her actions. Oh, June, baby, suck my cock, honey. Suck me, he said putting a gentle hand to the back of her head. I want you to come in my mouth, Malcolm. Come for me, she said removing his cock in and out of her mouth to speak. I want you to shoot your warm oozy load down my throat. I want to swallow all of your cum. I want you to hump my mouth and fuck my face as I suck you. She said stroking him faster and harder while sucking him deeper. Then, after you come in my mouth, she said looking up at him to give him a sexy look. I want you to save some cum to come again all over my face. Give me a cum bath, Malcolm. Make me your cum bath, bitch. Now go ahead and stick your big finger up my warm, wet pussy as I continue sucking you. She pulled his hand down and put it up beneath her short skirt, and obediently as if he were a boy instead of a man having sex for the first time, he obeyed. His big index finger pushed her panty aside, teased her clit, and felt her wetness. Finger-fucking her with one, long, thick finger as he teased her clit with the other, no longer talking, she was too busy sucking. The harder she sucked him and the faster she stroked him, the more excited he became. Until he grabbed a handful of her hair and pulled her head forward and down in his lap. Putting a big, heavy hand to the back of her head, he thrust up his hips to hump her mouth while fucking her face. As if a cannon shot, he exploded a volley of cum in her mouth. Oh, Malcolm, said June after she accepted and swallowed his warm, slimy goop. Oh, Malcolm, she cooed running her tongue over her lips. Then, as soon as she removed him from her mouth, as if a surprise attach, he shot a second load of cum all over her face and tits. Oh my god, June, what have you done? I'm so very sorry. This is so wrong. I can't believe you blew me. I can't believe you sucked me off. I can't believe you swallowed my cum. I can't believe I gave you a cum bath. Look at you. You're a mess. You have my cum everywhere, he said with a laugh. Don't worry, Malcolm. 
What happened here is our dirty, little secret. After she wiped his cum from her face, hair, and tits with some tissues, she took his big face between her hands and kissed him. Okay? It's our secret. So long as I tell you what everyone else does, no one needs to know what we do. She laughed. And the next time we're together, I want you to fuck me with that big tool. I want you to pound my pussy and part my clam with you black kielbasa. I want to experience that big black cock deep in my cunt. Only with you being so big, she said with a laugh. I'll be on top. Malcolm drove June home. Making sure she made it safely home, he led her out at the top of her street and watched her as she walked to her house. Bye, Malcolm. Thanks for the great evening, she said smiling and waving him goodbye. You have my card. Call me and we'll talk more about our future plans. He set out his open car window as he slowly drove away. As June neared her house, she saw her husband's pickup truck parked in the driveway. When she opened the front door, he was there waiting for her explanation of who she was with and where she was. Chapter 11 June opened her front door to her husband waiting there for her. With his eyes bulging and his face red, he was hopping mad. She hasn't seen him this mad since he lost his job and blamed everyone, the Democrats, the Republicans, the Chinese, and his mother for not forcing him to stay in school to get a college education. Where were you? John looked at her with a face full of rage. Do you know what time it is? Look at the time, he said holding up his wristwatch to her face while tapping the crystal with his index finger. It's after midnight. Who were you with and where'd you go? Where were you? None of your business she said walking away from her to grab the keys to his truck. Where you going now? I have to get the kids from Sally. I picked them up hours ago. They're upstairs sleeping, he said looking at her as if he hated her. Some mother you are, he said making a sour face. It's after midnight. You've been gone for hours. I know because I got here a little after eight o'clock and you weren't here. No one was here. So I called Sally and she said you went out but she wouldn't tell me where. I'm a better mother than you ever were a father to those kids, she said looking at him with as much hate as he had for her. Some father you are fucking my mother, not working, not even looking for a job, and getting drunk every day. How long have you been fucking my mother? How long has she been sucking your cock? Don't you be asking me questions before you answer mine. Answer my questions. Who were you with, where were you, and what were you doing? I'll answer your questions after you answer my questions, John. How's that? If her look could kill, he'd be dead. While I was gone, did you fuck my old bitch of a fat mother today again? Did you suck her big saggy breasts? Did your dirty fingers finger her smelly pussy? Did you lick her cunt with your alcohol-laced breath? Did you bend my mother over and fuck her like the animals you both are? Did you push her down to her knees for her to blow you and for you to come in her mouth? I'm not answering any of your stupid questions. He said walking away from her but she followed him and stayed in his face. Tell me, John, tell me. While I was gone and you were alone, did my mother suck your little cock? Did she blow you? Did you put your hand to the back of my mother's head and come in her mouth or weren't you able to get up an erection again? Answer me this, John, are you happier with my old mother instead of her young daughter? She looked at him waiting for him to answer her questions but he ignored her. I'm done with all of that monkey business. I haven't seen your mother since you caught us together and threw us out of the house, he said with defiance. You're drunk now, aren't you, you drunk? Did you drive to Sally's house drunk to pick up my children, you sack of drunken shit? I can tell by how you parked your truck that you drove drunk. 
she said hoping he'd drive away drunk so that she could call the police on him. Isn't one DUI isn't enough for you? Get another one and they'll suspend your license again or throw your ass in jail again should you injure or kill someone. She was glad that her mother wasn't there. She was glad she didn't walk in on them again fucking and sucking. She would have really lost it had her mother been there having sex with her husband. She wondered how long it's been going on and how many times they had sex. Yet, none of that mattered now. She just wanted him out of her house and them out of her life for good. Even though she tried not to care, she was still hurt by him cheating on her, especially with her mother, of all people. If he cheated with anyone else, a coworker, a neighbor, or one of her friends, she may have forgiven him but she'd never forgive him after he cheated on her with her mother. As if cheating with her mother was his way to get back at her for some unknown reason, it worked. The vision of the both of them drunk, naked, and in bed together washed across her mind as if she was having a bad nightmare while still awake. Fuck you, bitch. Where've you been? Out. Out where? None of your fucking business. You're not my husband anymore. You're just some unemployed, drunken loser, who'd rather have incestuous sex with his mother-in-law than having a normal, sexual relationship with his wife. Maybe if you gave me more support, I wouldn't drink. Give you more support? I did everything for you, John, but wipe your ass. All you had to do was to fall out of bed and go to work. All you had to do was to bring home a paycheck to save us from foreclosure. All you had to do was to stop drinking. You washed your hands of everything else, me, the kids, and the house because you're supposedly working too hard all day, so hard that your company discovered they could do without your lazy ass and shit canned you. Maybe if you gave me sex, I wouldn't have to have sex with your mother. She cares about me more than you do. Maybe if you had stopped drinking long enough to maintain an erection, we would have had more sex but you'd rather drink than fuck. She said. He looked at her as if he had just noticed how she was dressed. Her skirt was so short, too short, and short enough that she'd flash her panties if she sat. He'd never allow her out of the house wearing a skirt so short. Her blouse was half unbuttoned and her cleavage and bra were showing. Again, as if she was his teenage daughter instead of his wife, he'd never allow her to go anywhere looking like that, especially with all the makeup she was wearing. Where did you go dressed like that? You're dressed like a whore? Where's you get those clothes? I don't remember you having those clothes. You never wore those clothes for me. You never dressed like that for me. Look at her, just look at you. He said flicking a finger at her low-cut and partially unbuttoned blouse. Saving them for your sorry ass, all these clothes are clothes that I had for years and that I had hidden in the back of my closet. Maybe if you took me out somewhere without me having to beg you to take me to a movie or hound you to come shopping with me, I would have dressed sexy for you. Only you'd rather drink with the boys at the bar than to take me out for a drink or for a nice dinner. Being that you'd rather be with men than with your woman, maybe you're gay. She said with a victorious smile. Fuck you. I'm not gay. He said changing the subject. I saw a car. Did someone give you a ride home? Who was he? Was it a man? Was he one of your Johns? What were you doing at this hour? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to us? Why am I doing this? Why am I earning money? Because you won't get a job. Because you won't bring home some money. Because all you do all day is drink, play video games, and fuck my mother, I have to do what I need to do to make a living to keep this house and to feed and clothe our kids. She looked at him with hatred instead of love and non-caring instead of understanding. Is that what you call making a living by sucking and fucking men? Is that what you call making a living by selling sex for money? Is that what you call making a living by disgracing yourself? 
I know what you're doing, he said pointing a shaky finger of accusation at her. You're fucking and sucking men, aren't you? You call it making a living, I call it sucking men's cocks for money. I call you a prostitute, a hooker, and a whore. You fucking whore. He stepped closer to her. Back the fuck off, John. I mean it or I'll cold cock you one. She shoved him back with a stiff arm. Get the fuck away from me. You stink. When did you shower last, you drunk? He stepped closer as he asked more questions. Did you blow them, whore? How many cocks have you sucked? Did they gangbang you? Did you let them come in your pretty little mouth? Did you talk dirty to them in the way you used to talk dirty to me? Look at all this shit. What is all this shit? What's with all the lipstick, June? Lipstick on the dipstick, is that it? He grabbed her face in his hand, squeezed her lips together, and smudged her lipstick all over her face with his palm until she pushed him away. Don't touch me. She shoved him away again, and he stepped forward again. Did you fuck them, whore? Did they come in your pussy? He reached his hand beneath her short skirt and cupped her panty-clad pussy in his hand and squeezed. How much did you make tonight fucking and sucking men? Get the fuck away from me. She said swinging a hard, fast fist at his forearm to break his hold of her cunt. Yeah, I'd rather be a fucking whore and have men come in my mouth and in my pussy than to be with an unemployed drunk who refuses to provide for his wife and kids and who fucks his mother-in-law. Why don't you just leave? Go. Get out. Leave. I don't want you anymore. This marriage is so over. We're done. We're through. This is my house too, he said. I don't have any other place to go but here, he said looking at her with sadness. Why don't you just go home to your own mother and fuck her instead of my mother? Or have you already fucked your mother which is why you're fucking my mother now? Is that it, John? Are you a motherfucker? Not only are you a cunt but also you're a motherfucker, motherfucker. How dare you talk to me like that, bitch? Motherfucker. She said spitting out the word as if spitting at him. He ran to her and slapped her hard across the face, so hard that she fell back and hit the back of her head on the coffee table as she fell. As if a struggling beetle that has fallen on its back, once she was helplessly and defensively on her back and on the carpeted floor, too dazed and disoriented to get back up, as if he was a rapist and he was, he was all over her tearing off her clothes. You fucking whore. He yelled slapping her across her face again. You fucking whore. He yelled ripping open her blouse and exposing her brow. You fucking whore. He yelled pulling down and off her skirt. You dirty cunt. He said tearing off her blouse until she was on the floor beneath him in just her bra and bikini panty. She struggled against the weight of him, but he was too big and too strong and she was too weak from hitting her head and from him slapping her. When he reached for her bra they struggled, but he managed to unsnap it to expose her breasts. He squeezed her breasts as hard as he could with both hands, hard enough to make her scream in pain and to bring tears to her eyes. Get off of me. Let go over me. Take your fucking hands off of me, you filthy pig. You fucking whore. He said slapping her everywhere, her face, her breasts, her stomach, and her thighs. Slapping and slapping her as if slapping his frustration with being unemployed and separated from the only thing that gave him an identity and a reason to live he took all his frustration out on the only person he once truly loved. He reached down and, in one fluid motion, tore off her panty. Now naked and with the weight of him still on her, he undid his pants, pushed his pants and underwear down to his knees, spread her legs with his knees, and mounted her. He started dry-humping her before he licked his fingers and was able to part her lips open enough with his fingers to fuck her. When she resisted, he started choking her. When he couldn't get an erection, 
he banged her head on the carpet in frustration. When she fought back, he choked her harder. I'll kill you, you fucking bitch. I fucking kill you, you whore. Die, cunt, die. June tried pushing against him, but he was too strong, too enraged, and too crazy. She was never so afraid for her life as she was now. He was determined to kill her. She was going to die and there was nothing she could do to save herself. With her life flashing before her eyes, she saw happier times with him. She thought of when they first met, when they were married, and being so happy to buy a house and start a family. She thought of her children, only starting to black out, as if a flower prematurely dying before it fully bloomed, losing consciousness, she was fading. With him chalking her and with him tightening his grip around her neck, unable to swallow, she couldn't breathe. Using the last bit of energy she had before she was gone, she kicked and flailed her body but all to no avail. With her weighing only 125 pounds and him weighing 200 pounds, she didn't have the strength to move him off of her. If she couldn't move him off of her, and if she couldn't stop him from chalking her, then she was going to die. In all the raucous uproar, John never heard Malcolm pull up behind his pickup truck carrying her lost tube of lipstick that he found on the floor of his car. He never saw Malcolm's giant body slowly lumber up the front steps as if a dark, avenging angel coming to give John the justice he deserved. With all the commotion going on inside, he never heard Malcolm banging on the front door, ringing the doorbell, and rattling the doorknob. He never saw Malcolm until the door that he smashed off the hinges with a big shoulder hit him in the back while he was choking, sexually assaulting, and trying to kill June. As if he was a focused linebacker intent on picking up a fumble, Malcolm had a face full of rage. No doubt, with him having a dark side too, it was probably the same face full of rage that he had when he shot and killed his two brothers for raping his sister, Lucille. Now here before him was a man beating, chalking, and raping his June. Life is funny sometimes and history certainly does repeat itself, but thank God for men like Malcolm. He had no idea who this man fucking, slapping, chalking, and yelling at June was. Never having met her husband, he didn't know if he was her husband, a client, a home invader, or a psycho. She told him that she had thrown her husband out of the house after she caught him having sex with her mother. She told him that she lived alone with her kids which is why he returned with her lipstick, and it was a good thing he had. All he knew was that someone was hurting his June. As if taking out the trash, he reached his strong arm down and grabbed him by the back of his belt with one massive hand. He wrapped his other hand around his neck, squeezed, and pulled him off of June. In one fluid motion, as if doing a clean and jerk with a jerk, he erected his full height and tossed John against the wall so much like a bale of hay or a human battering ram. Flying through the air head first, when her husband's head struck the wall and put a hole in the drywall, he collapsed in an unconscious heap. June! June! Are you okay, baby? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay, she said coughing through her tears. She sat up. Who is he? Malcolm looked over at him with her. My husband, she said sobbing in her hands. Did you kill him? He looks dead, she said looking at her husband not moving. Nah, said Malcolm walking to John to give him a kick in the ribs before reaching down to feel his neck for a pulse. I just tossed him a little is all. If I wanted to kill him, he'd be dead already. Coughing and making sounds as if he needed medical attention, when John stirred and tried to stand in the way of a drunk going against a sober and much bigger bouncer in a barroom brawl, Malcolm nudged him down again with a hip check and a shoulder shove that sent him flying against the wall again. Best you stay down little man before I really put the hurt to you, he said in his big, booming baritone voice. Again, 
John tried standing and when he did, Malcolm pinned him against the wall. With a hand around his neck, he lifted him up off the floor and held him there as if he was hanging beef. Get off of me, boy, he said John struggling to break Malcolm's chokehold. That's my wife. Boy, did you just call me boy cracker? Are you kidding me? Towering over him by ten inches, Malcolm wrapped a big hand around his pencil neck. You're either blind, suicidal, or crazy calling me boy to my face? He sniffed him. Well, that explains it, you're drunk. John took a swing that bounced off Malcolm's shoulder. You'd have to do better than that to knock me off my feet. With that, Malcolm gave him an uppercut that sent his head backward against the wall again and his butt to the floor when his knees crumbled. Malcolm turned to June. Naked and weak, he helped her to her feet. Trying to catch her breath, she was coughing and gasping for air. Are you okay? Do you need me to take you to the hospital? No, I'm all right. I just need to catch my breath, she said. If you hadn't been here, he would have killed me, she said holding her neck before giving him a hug and crying in his chest. How did you know I needed help? Why did you return? Your lipstick, he said reaching in his pocket and pulling out her lipstick. He handed it to her. It rolled beneath my foot as I was driving. Oh, Malcolm, thank God for you. You're a godsend, a real lifesaver, and my hero. She said standing on her toes to kiss his lips. Go on upstairs and put on some clothes. He said hugging her and kissing the top of her head after returning her kiss. Then, grab what you need, collect your kids, and I'll take you somewhere safe. Don't worry about leaving stuff behind. Whatever else you need, I'll buy you. But this is my house, Malcolm. She June looking around her small house. Not anymore it is. Trust me, I've seen this before. Rather than another man have you, a guy like this will kill you than not have you. Thank you, Malcolm, she said covering her nakedness with her torn clothes and running upstairs. She quickly returned with two suitcases and her kids. Let me get you some ice, he said going in the kitchen. You're going to have a bruise on your face where he hit you. I hit my head on the table too, she said holding the back of her head. It really hurts. He wrapped some ice in a dish towel and handed it to her. You have a big bump there, he said lightly touching the back of her head with his fingers. You may have a concussion. Don't worry about the suitcases, I'll get them. You take the kids out to the car while I talk some sense to your husband. Malcolm filled a pan with cold water and threw it on John to soak him awake. Get up, you miserable piece of shit. He said with a kick of his foot to his ribs before taking his big foot to hold down the side of his head. Having not learned his lesson, John stirred and raised his head up enough to spit on him. His spit landed on his Malcolm's knee. You son of a bitch. These are new pants, said Malcolm looking down at his leg before looking down at the reason for his rage. He grabbed John by the hair and pulled him up to his knees. You can wipe that off with your face, you miserable piece of drunken shit. He pushed him back and John's head hit the wall again. Now listen to me fool because what I say now is the difference in your living or dying. I don't care which. He slapped him hard across the face when John closed his eyes. That's for hitting a woman. He said slapping him hard across the face again. Don't pass out on me, white boy. Fuck you. Said John still defiant in his drunkenness. Listen to me. Said Malcolm lifting him by his hair. If you ever try and see June or the kids again I'll kill you. If the police ever find your dead, dismembered body, your mother won't even recognize you after I'm done with you. He shook John's head hard by his hair. Do you hear me, cocksucker? Do you understand what I'm saying to you, motherfucker? Yes, I hear you. Yes, I understand. Now, just get the fuck out of my house. 
said John still full of drunken defiance. When Malcolm turned to leave, John stood and made a wild, drunken dash for the living room and for the shotgun that was mounted over the door frame and for the box of shotgun shells that were hidden on the shelf behind some books in the bookcase. John grabbed the shotgun shells first before he turned to grab the shotgun. For a big man, Malcolm could have played safety. He tackled John before he reached the shotgun and knocked him unconscious. Seeing what John was after, he reached up and broke the shotgun in two pieces over his leg. Chapter 12 Malcolm's business arrangement turns sour when he has second thoughts. Arranging for temporary housing, albeit luxury accommodations, Malcolm put up June and her three children in a swanky, penthouse condominium that he owned downtown. He hired a nanny to watch the children when he needed June to service his friends. Only, wanting to give her some space and some time after what happened between her and her husband, he told her to call him when she was ready to see a client. Until then, he left her alone with her children. Take whatever time you want, a week, a month, however long you need. I don't care. I need you to recover. I need for you to have your head on right to focus on our mutual satisfaction agreement. I need you to feel safe and sexy. I need you to earn some money for yourself and to give me some dirty talk. He said in his deep baritone voice capped off with his big booming laugh. It was nearly a month when June picked up the phone and called Malcolm. They hadn't seen one another since he put her up in his lofty palace. Excited to hear his voice, she couldn't wait to talk to him. She missed him. Only, she didn't want him to know that she was in love with him. Unfortunately, there's no room for love in her business. Best she back burner her feelings of love and romance until after she was done having sex for money. Maybe once she's made enough money, she can concentrate more on finding a nice guy. For now, she needed money. I'm ready to earn my keep, Malcolm, she said as soon as he picked up the phone. Not wasting any time on small talk, you're right to the point, he said laughing. Hi, how are you? I'm better thanks to you, she said without emotion. The fear of what was to come paralyzed her. More than she felt when working for Larry, her role in life was official now. She was a professional call girl working for a rich and powerful man, a man who could protect her and keep her safe from harm. Instead of feeling relieved, instead of feeling safe, she felt nervous. What she did for fun and money with Larry was now the real deal and the big time. Just as she had much to gain, she had much to lose too. She had better not screw this up or she'd be out of here on her ass and on the street with no job and no money. All she had to do for Malcolm to give her all that she needed to live in style was to suck and fuck black men. All she needed to do was to supply Malcolm with enough titillation that he'll allow her to continue living here while she earned lots of money. A dream deal, she didn't understand why she wasn't happier. If anything she was sad. Did you get all the things I sent over? Yes, thank you, she said. Afraid to open some of the bags and boxes, except for the things he bought for her children. All that he bought her were still in the unopened bags and boxes. Judging them by the stores she shopped, everything he bought her was expensive. I was going to call you to thank you and to let you know they were received, but I figured you got that information from the doorman already. Only, how did you know my sizes? I went through your things when you were taking the kids to school. My first time snooping through a woman's closet, I was glad that I didn't find anything personal, he said with his big laugh. I hope you don't mind. I wanted to surprise you. You did, she said with a laugh. With the doorman delivering packages every day for a week, it was like Christmas. Listen, June, even though you're the one who called me to tell me that you're ready to see clients, tell me if it's too soon. After all that you've been through, I don't want to rush you.
Even though I have someone in mind, I'm willing to wait. After I told him about you, champing at the bit to meet you, I have a client who's available at a moment's notice. He said. I see. She said in two words and two syllables, answering him in the way that he used to answer her, short and succinct. Her stomach turned with the thoughts of having sex with a man she never met before. She was sick with dread to have sex with someone other than Malcolm. She realized now that she was all talk and could never do that gangbang that Larry wanted her to do. She didn't understand why she didn't feel as uncomfortable meeting Malcolm as she was feeling uncomfortable meeting someone else. Maybe because she's met Malcolm and has grown attached to him is the reason why she wished she never made this agreement with him. Only, what else could she do? Just as she was stuck living with her drunk, unemployed husband, after Malcolm helped her and set her up here, she was tied to this arrangement. Besides, once she had sex with the first man that Malcolm arranged and once she got her feet wet, maybe she'd warm up to the idea of giving men what they needed in exchange for what she needed. It was all just sex for money, just as Malcolm had told her she needed to get her mind right. No, I'm good. I'm ready. Matter of fact. She said choosing her words carefully. She wondered if she should reveal her feelings for the big man but diving in head first, she took the leap of faith anyway. More than looking forward to having sex with a strange black man. She said with a nervous laugh while hoping he'd take her not so subtle hint. I'm more looking forward to having sex with you while telling you all about what he did to me and what I did to him. She remained quiet while listening to hear if he'd renege on their agreement to satisfy her with his cock before she pleasures him with her words. More than the money she'd earn, more than him putting her up in this beautiful condo, she was more excited about finally having sex with him. Good, good, that's good, June. I'm looking forward to hearing you tell me all that happened too. I'm glad you remembered our arrangement. I was worried that blow to the head you took may have given you amnesia. He said with a big laugh. Anyway, the man that I'd like you to meet is my best friend. I've known him all of my life. He's a good man and like me he has a big cock. He said. This was it. Without any further ado, without any more discussion, it was all just business to him now. She's spent the last month reaping the benefits of his generosity and now it was her turn to reward him with what he wanted all along. Even though she was happy to finally earn some much-needed money, even though she was excited about finally having sex with Malcolm, she was crushed that she'd first have to have sex with someone else before having sex with him. Moreover, she now knew that he didn't want her in the way that she wanted him. If he wanted her at all, he'd never allow another man to have sex with her. She was crazy to think that he'd be interested in her. Why would he? Why should he? A poor, white, uneducated woman saddled with three small children who turned to prostitution out of necessity to make ends meet. Why would someone like him want her when he could have anyone, white, yellow, or black? Just as she agreed, she had to service his friends. A deal was a deal and her having sex with his friends was the deal. Tragically for her, after what happened in the back seat of Malcolm's car and after the near-death altercation with her husband— Somewhere along the way she had lost her sexual adventurous appetite for prostitution and her lustful desire to service any man other than Malcolm for money. After he showed her the kind, generous, and caring man that he was, she had fallen for him. Just as she knew he was kind, generous, and caring, she knew too that he was dangerous should she double-cross him and not go through this agreement. She had no choice. After he arranged her safe passage and gave her a place to live— after he spent thousands of dollars on clothes for her and gifts for her children, she couldn't say no to him. She owed him. How could she deny the man who saved her life the simple sexual pleasure of what he wanted, when all that he wanted was dirty talk? 
How could she deny the man she loved and the man who gave her a second chance at happiness anything? She couldn't and she wouldn't. Whatever he wanted her to do, she would, even if it meant having sex with someone else. Even if she was successful in blanking her mind of emotions, just going through the motions, faking the intimacy, and having sex with anyone other than Malcolm would break her heart. Yet, as per their agreement, having sex with someone else was the only way that he'd have sex with her. Having sex with someone else was the only way that she could give him some sexual satisfaction. After not seeing or hearing from him for a month and finally hearing his voice on the phone, she knew now that she loved him. Only, falling in love with him would be her undoing. Sadly, just as she knew she loved him, she knew that he didn't love her. He only loved talking and listening. He loved the visuals he received from talking dirty. He loved fast cars, fast women, and money. He didn't love her. He never loved her. She was just another employee to him. Best she put her emotions aside and blank her mind from feeling anything but the job she agreed to do. It was just a job after all. Her job was to have sex with black men. Her job was to tell Malcolm everything she did to them and everything they did to her. Hoping beyond hope, perhaps she had a silver-lined cloud to brighten her dark sky. She wondered if after having sex with someone to have sex with Malcolm, if she could make him fall in love with her. Women have been doing that with sex since forever. Maybe after the first time having sex with him, she'll learn what he likes and what he needs to have other than dirty talk. Only someone like him could replace her any time with another woman, maybe even a black woman. Besides, he's the type of man who'd want a child of his own, a boy, no doubt, and she's already had her tubes tied. She berated herself for thinking about giving him a baby, a boy, when he only wanted dirty talk. Okay. How do we do this? Do I meet him somewhere for a drink? Do we go to dinner first? What? You tell me. This is all new to me. In case you forgot, she said with a laugh. You were my first client. I haven't had sex with anyone except my husband and one time with Larry. Moreover, even with you, based on Bill Clinton's definition of sex, having only given you a blowjob, we really didn't have sex, she said with a little laugh. I hear you, June, and I didn't forget about your limited sexual experiences. Hell, compared to all the hoes I've been with, you're practically a virgin, he said with another loud laugh. Not wanting to hear all the women he's been with, she abruptly changed the subject. A pang of jealous hit her heart in the way that she wished jealousy would make him call this whole thing off and not go through with it. Much in the way of Richard Gere with Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, she imagined him rescuing her from her call-girl fate by claiming her for himself. Do I go to him or does he come to me? He'll come to your place for sex. It's just sex. Have dinner before he arrives or after he leaves. That's up to you. He's the type of guy that doesn't want anything else but sex. Sex with a beautiful... Willing white woman is all that he wants. He just wants sex. He said. Okay. She said while thinking, he's much like you, only interested in sex in that regard. But she didn't voice her protest, that is, until he became more specific in his friend's needs. By the way, he loves anal sex. Anal sex? Why? What's wrong? I never had anal sex. She said. Oh, oh that's a problem. Said Malcolm. Are you willing to try having anal sex or are you totally turned off by the thought of being fucked up the ass? Totally turned off, she said without hesitation. Maybe after a couple glasses of champagne, some lighting, romantic music, a warm bath, and I don't think I can Malcolm. Especially with it being the first time, anal sex is something that I need to be eased into doing. 
Perhaps that's something you can help me with before doing that with a stranger, she said pleading her case. Okay, yeah, sure. Don't worry about having anal sex, June. I'll talk to him about that. I'm glad you told me, said Malcolm. I'm willing to do everything else short of that, Malcolm. Okay? Yeah, sure, okay. Really, don't worry about it, June, he said. I'll take care of it. Okay. When? Saturday night. I'll arrange for the nanny to take the kids overnight, he said, in case he wants to stay overnight. So, how often am I doing this? Doing what, June? Having sex with black men. As often as you want. You tell me. I have a lot of rich, black friends who'd want someone like you. Sorry for being so crass to ask about money, but money is the reason why I agreed to do this, after all. How much is he paying me? A thousand dollars an hour. You decide how long you want him to stay. If he spends the night, five or six hours, the going rate is ten thousand dollars. Must I stay awake to earn that kind of money? She laughed. You're free to make your own agreement with him. So long as he's happy and wants to return for more, whatever you two decide is fine with me. What's his name? No names, June. He doesn't know your name. Just as I'm sure he'll make up a name, you're free to make up a name too. We'll get together Sunday for brunch, and you can tell me all about what happened. Brunch? Here or at your place? I'll take you out to a restaurant where we can be alone. Aren't you forgetting something, Malcolm? What? You pleasure me with your cock before I pleasure you with my words, she said with some reservation. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Sorry. Then I come to your place and you can tell me all that happened after we make love. Okay? How's that? Perfect. She said as if a schoolgirl having just been invited to a prom. Thank you, Malcolm. He hung up the phone in, but for dropping off the children at school and picking them up, June stayed sequestered in the condo for the rest of the week. Malcolm gave her his custom Chrysler 300 to use after he picked up his new car, the Cadillac CTSV Coupe, the one that he told her about. She should be happy but she was sad. She should be grateful to be safely away from her husband but she was unsettled and feeling restlessly anxious. It was a big adjustment living here as big as it would be servicing Malcolm's friends. She wanted love instead of sex. She wanted Malcolm instead of someone else. Only and obviously, it wasn't to be. Right on time, precisely at 8 p.m., the doorman announced her a visitor. Send him up, she said wanting to ask the doorman what he looked like. Only, she already knew what he looked like. Only, it didn't matter so much what he looked like. All she knew was that he was a black man. Truly, it didn't matter what he looked like. She loved Malcolm and when with this stranger, her way of getting through this, she'd pretend she was with him. Dressed for the occasion in slinky, black dress that Malcolm bought her, she looked stunning. When she opened the door to greet her John, she was surprised that it was Malcolm. What are you doing here? Did your friend cancel? No, he's here. She stepped by him to look out in the hall. Where is he? He's standing in front of you. Me. You. Yes, me, he said smiling at her. I'm your date for the evening and I plan on staying overnight and forever, if you'll have me. Oh, Malcolm, she said reaching up to kiss him while hugging him. I don't want you having sex with anyone else but me, June. By the way, I was only kidding about the anal sex, he said with a booming laugh. I love you, June. I love you, he said pulling out a box from his pocket and falling to one knee. Will you marry me? Yes, she said without even opening the box. Only, I'd have to finalize my divorce from John first. I already have my lawyers working on that for you.
The end. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Visit the other channels for more stories with a different focus. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out.